Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Metal Mike, and in this episode, I talk with the kick-ass drummer of Tungsten and formerly of Yngwie Malmsteen's rising force, Anders Johansson. We talk about what it's like playing with his sons in the band Tungsten. And of course, we talk about the classic Yngwie albums that Anders played on, Marching Out, Trilogy, and Odyssey. And we hear Anders' thoughts on Yngwie today. Now you can subscribe to the podcast through Anchor for $4.99 a month. Your donation keeps this thing going, and it gives you access to exclusive content. There's bonus footage available for subscribers from this episode as well, so consider subscribing. Now here's Anders. Check it out. Well, Anders, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How you doing? Thanks. I'm doing great, thank you. Awesome, man. Glad to be talking with you. So what's been going on with you recently? What have you been up to? Well, lately, it's, uh, I've been like, uh, since the pandemic was uh, roaming the earth, I've been uh, practicing a lot, and uh, I've been uh, recording with my own band, Tungsten, and um, now when the, the restrictions uh, let off a bit, we, we, I've been doing gigs with my um, brother, with, you know, jazz gigs, so it's... Uh, slowly starting up again here i i checked out uh tungsten and it's really awesome you know melodic power metal and i was surprised to see that you're in a band with your sons that's really cool no yeah no thanks uh, it's like um saves a lot of hassles because uh, my sons are um, trained sort of uh, by me to to uh, i mean they, they, it's like hassle-free kind of <laughs> at least from my point of view i, I think they might think differently because on the way it's to, to the to the concerts and stuff, I always lecture them with uh, you know all sorts of parent stuff, and uh, it's getting less and less, of course, but uh, because they're getting older and more wise. But um, I know they told me you know it can be kind of annoying sometimes, <laughs> hours of uh, you know lecturing and uh, disciplining. But uh, this sounds worse than it actually is now. I mean, uh, but you know I'm trying to teach them uh, about life and stuff like that. But also with them, they they kind of close by here, so so we can rehearse in the in a, in my house, and um, so it's um, and they get things right away. So yeah, it's it's really cool. Also, like hanging out with your sounds, it's like kind of unusual, I guess. So so yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When this all came together, did they approach you and they had written some songs, or how how did the whole band come together with you and your sons? Uh, the, the, the thing was like um, they they had written songs that I heard by accident, kind of. And uh, I thought, this is really cool. And I thought, uh, you should record this here. And uh, I said, I can help you, you know, you can be in my studio and all that stuff. And so we, we recorded and I played drums on them and the songs. And um, same thing, they, when we were going to have a record deal, I, I knew people since I'm uh, like twice as old as they are or, or more. So I've got some contacts so, um, through me um uh, we got a record deal, and, and also I think um, they had to put up with me, kind of, because <laughs> otherwise they would have probably had a harder time to get in. But the, the, the songs and stuff, uh, they, it's basically mostly them who, who does everything. Uh, I think that's better because 
if I make songs and stuff, it's usually pure power metal or fusion type that nobody wants to listen to. So, <laughs> so they're a little bit more in tune with the modern stuff, I guess. Yeah, I, I really liked it, and, and I like that kind of music anyways. I, I really felt like the songs were, were super catchy, you know, but they're heavy, but they're catchy, uh, especially like King of Shadows. That one, I listened to it, and it, it just got stuck in my head for the, for the rest of the day. Oh, cool. That, that's like a borderline pop almost, but um, <laughs> that was the, the first choice of the record company, too. I think it's because of the melodies. Mm-hmm. When we did this, uh, we thought... Um, you know, since there's so many great bands around, it's like thousands and millions almost. It's it's hard to go out there and compete with all these great musicians and great bands. We thought we had to do it slightly different than everybody else. Have some sort of touch that sticks out just a little bit, at least, because we can't just be another Meshuga or another, you know, whatever great band there is. So, so we thought we have to be me- melodic and. Um, not super aggressive either because uh, we, we notice when we, we try to be aggressive people don't like it for some reason mm-hmm. uh, I guess uh, my, I, me personally I, I would like to be more progressive and aggressive but um, it seems like people prefer like you say King of Shadows sort of the, the st- things to stick in your head yeah definitely well one artist that I showcase on this show all the time, I've talked to so many past members, is Ingve Malmsteen. And you were in Ingve for, you know, probably what people look at as, as his best period. You got a favorite album out of the ones you played on with Ingve? Out of the ones I played on, I think maybe Marching Out uh, uh-huh. is my favorite. Um, it was the first one I did with him, and also I think it was like raw and had a band feeling to it. Yeah. Back then, it it was kind of a band. Uh, um, Ingve, of course, was the, the boss, and he was, uh, his saying was w- law, whatever, but he, he was really cool. To me, I mean, I read stuff about Ingve that's like not so positive sometimes, but I have no- nothing, never seen any bad side of him. Um, he's never been rude or to me or my brother and stuff. Wow. I mean, there, there's been childish shit with it, uh, you know, maybe arguing over whose car was fast and shit like that, but (laughs) nothing, um, I think when when we quit, I think he um, decided to be more like um, uh, a dictator, like he was sick of the the compromises and stuff. When we did the record with Joel and Turner, uh, there was a lot of compromise from Ingrid's side, and I don't think he liked it really. Uh, It was too commercial for him and stuff, but then again, it was the album that sold the best out of all his albums. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Was it kind of weird for you and your brother? Because you figure if you go through those albums, Marching Out, Trilogy, Odyssey, you've got like a different singer. And, and, and in some ways, you know, the band is also changing its sound throughout those albums. Was it kind of weird or did it feel natural? What, what was it like going through those three albums with uh, three different singers? It, it was like, uh, it wasn't it wasn't weird really we got along really great with all these guys I mean Jeff he was like 19 I think when he quit um, oh, wow. he was really young and, and immature and uh, he thought you know he was gonna be, make it big with a more commercial band uh, called Driver they had him and uh, I think Tommy Aldridge was in there mm-hmm. so um, I remember we really tried to pursue him not to, to quit but he, he quit and and then we got Mark Bowles we, we, he's a great singer and a great guy too and um, uh, we got along with him and uh, back then it was sort of a natural thing we didn't think so much about it actually wow. um, but the, 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 the record sounded completely different in, in a way it would have been better of course to, to keep Jeff 
for the for the whole time. It would have been better, I think, uh, for English career and everything. But um, it, it was also interesting, though, how different uh, the albums came out. I think Joey being all um, bluesy and uh, more commercial kind of, mm-hmm. Mark being the ultimate um, power metal singer, and just like uh, I guess somewhere in between there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's weird because I think before I talked to you uh, this week, I I went back and I kind of listened to all three of these back to back, and you really do hear a evolution of of a more commercial sound. I mean, you, just like you've said, you know, marching out to straight up metal album trilogy is like a mix. There's some pop, and then there's some you know uh, more you know metal type stuff, and then by you get to uh, Odyssey, really it is. It's like a pop metal album. Was this a direction that Ingve wanted to go? Was the label kind of pushing him that way? Where did this you know more of a pop direction come from? Uh, this was definitely the label who wanted this. Ingve uh, wanted to be like more like the first album, more more progressive and almost fusion type mm-hmm. stuff. And the the label wanted a new Bon Jovi type <laughs> of band, and uh, because they wanted to make money and stuff, and they thought uh, maybe a Van Halen Bon Jovi sort of yeah. style. And um, so the record label, they were definitely um, budding in and uh, and uh, trying to promote the more commercial stuff and convincing Inga to have more commercial stuff. But uh, no, he, I don't think he. Nobody in the band really wanted this um, but uh, we also didn't want to make create too many bad vibes with the record label because um, they like um, they kind of almost threatened us to, to be more commercial or they would like uh, not support the band as much and stuff they, they right. said shit like that so we thought you know it's better to make money than um, play fusion stuff that nobody wants to hear sort of thing but um, in the heart we wanted to be more less commercial Sure. When you look at Odyssey, and I think you might have said this earlier, was that this was probably his best-selling album. It, but this is the one where you do. You see the kind of easing back on the, the super-fast playing, and it's more focused on songs. I think this is probably the album that you know most of the population who like hard rock and heavy metal can, can get into. You know what I mean? It's just pretty accessible music. Yes. I, 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 for example, when um, Joel came, he, he was definitely, he wanted to have even more pop songs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was like a compromise. We put some uh, fast stuff just to make up for the really popular stuff. But I, I think it, it came out, that's the album everybody always says they like the most of things. Yeah. I, I mean, out of broad audience. Yes. Then the more hard rock audience, see, at least they, what they tell me, they like um, marching out the best, I think. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's all different. Then when you, after we left, um, there's a bunch of great albums after that, of course, and of course, different singers on all of them, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I like one, uh, it's called Magnum Opus. Yeah. It's really well recorded, I think. Uh, um, it's the one that Chris Sanderides produced I think uh, yeah yeah I think you're called? right seven, seven sign maybe it's called yeah it's one of those seven signs it proves this is a different issue but it proves that Ingrid needs a producer I think because that really sounded like a killer album sound wise and tight wise and everything now when you hear Ingrid sometimes he doesn't seem to have anybody except himself everywhere you know yeah. in every position which is <laughs> difficult, difficult you yeah. need somebody to to bounce ideas off, of course. Yeah, I agree. You know, a lot of people, uh, and I'll be honest, even myself, 
I, I've been critical of him taking over the the vocal spot because I feel like um, it's hard because you know we've just talked about three amazing singers, you know, Joe Lynn. Um, Mark Bowles and, and Jeff Scott Soto. And then and not that Ingvay's a horrible singer. It's just when you're used to that caliber of a vocalist, you know what I mean? It's hard when you go backwards and say, Oh, okay, now he's gonna sing and you're right, it doesn't bring in a different lyric direction. It doesn't bring in he doesn't bring in a producer. So you kinda get a one sided project, you know what I mean? Yeah. I I mean this in the singing stuff, I remember he he asked Mark Bowles after seven years of going to singing lessons, Ingrid went to singing lessons for seven years. Mark told her this, um, and he asked Mark, "What do what does what do I do wrong? What's wrong here? Why I can't? Why don't I improve? Can I? Yeah. Why don't I become like uh, like you guys? Like <laughs> the, like you say the, the like world class singer?" And Mark told him, "Hey, it's nothing wrong with your pitch, your vibrato, uh, everything." The problem, if, if you might call it that, th- these are M- Mark's words, it's, it's your actual vocal cords. Right. You just sound that way. It's, there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do. You're going to sound like it no matter what you do. You, you, you just be, like it or not. That's how you sound. Yeah. That's what the problem. Ingrid has a, a, not a, as pleasant voice as Joel Turner or, or these other guys. He just sounds like um, any guy, like... Like me or like anybody. Yeah. I mean, he's never going to work. No, I agree with you. You know, and, and you bring up an interesting point. It really, it is your vocal cords because just think about it. You know, you can buy a kick-ass drum set and mic it up. You can get a guitar and you can get a fax. You can, you can change the tone of an instrument. Voice is the only thing you can't really do much about. You can take lessons. You can have nice equipment, but you're, it's still your voice. There's nothing you can do. Exactly. So English voice is like a slightly deep and has a different overtones I mean uh, I, I, I don't think it blends so well with um, with power metal sort of mm-hmm. I think when he sings bluesier stuff it works better I think yeah. it's like a Hendrix type of singing I gotta ask you about something so I, I've, I, I told you I've interviewed a lot of guys that have been in his band and one time I talked to Joe Lynn Turner and he said that I don't know if this was the label I can't remember if it was the label or if it was him but they were trying to get Eric Singer in the band on drums and Bob Daisley on bass. Did, we, did you ever hear of this before? Did you recall them t- having talks about bringing somebody else in? Yes, I, I re- remember this. They, they wanted like an all-star band. Okay. They, they didn't like um, that we spoke Swedish, that we okay. influenced Ingrid in a bad way. And, and they, uh, it was like problems right before we had a manager that I criticized contracts and, and bothered into things. So... Also, I think when they got Joel Turner, they wanted to get rid of everybody, like and have an American band, okay. and uh, they couldn't really get rid of my brother because there was nobody better keyboard player. <laughs> and um, uh, in my case, I mean drumming, yeah, sure, Eric Singer probably could have done it, but uh, uh, Eric told me they did. He he was the one who told me this, and I, I said, well, he said I'm not interested. This stuff is too fast for me anyway. He said. <laughs> Bob Daisley, he was in the band for a while. He played uh, on some of the songs on Odyssey, and we re- rehearsed with him and everything. But the English didn't like; he didn't play fast enough either. Wow. Okay. So that's then. This is definitely true. <laughs> I, I definitely heard about this, I, I, and uh, I, they tried to come say that I overplayed and then I underplayed, and you know they tried to make me uneasy, kind of. But um, when I, I was like twenty six and. Uh, 
have a more um, secure attitude than maybe all you get you might, you might think uh, maybe they're right and stuff but yeah and English said that's ridiculous you know I don't know what it was it was also I had been arguing with one of the A&R guys at um, Polygram they called Jim Lewis he later became English manager the thing was with Jim Lewis uh, I, he said yeah we want to get rid of you we want an all American band we want stars we want like names kind of yeah and um uh, I said to him, well, that sucks for me, you know, I, you know, they also got rid of a bass player that was actually American, by the way, called Wally Watts. Um, he got out. Um, but in my case, I told, um, Jim Lewis that if we try to, if I make them play slightly more commercial songs, would that, would that be okay? Would you look at me differently then? Yeah, that might be a good idea, he said. Mm-hmm. And and so we like um, I tried to steer Ingvi into that way. Ingvi had a car accident right then, so he was kind of weak as well. He was kind of like um, he had been in coma, so he was like not uh, his normal himself sort of. So so we had this, like a few songs called Crystal Ball and shit like that. Yep. That normally he would never have those on the album. I remember that guy Jim Lewis said, "Yeah, you did it, and it's good, great, you know, blah blah." blah. <laughs> you know, the bullshit is unbelievable sometimes in, in this business. Yeah. I don't know why they were angry with me. I think it was because I said some shit and, and I criticized the contracts and, and asked, you know, where did the money go and shit like that. And it started with the manager, you know, started have to get rid of him. I think it was Andrew Truman who wanted to get rid of me. I, I'll be honest, I don't think you overplay at all because, you know, like I said, I just listened to all these albums recently and obviously I've been listening to them ever since I was a kid, but you follow the bass a lot which is which kind of is unusual for this kind of music you know what I mean a lot of times people want to kind of follow the guitars in, in this kind of music mm. but I feel like you do you kind of stay back and you, you stick with the bass and then Ingve does his thing I, I've never thought that it, that those songs had you know were overplayed at all I, I, I don't think so either it was just something they said yeah. you know and it was also um, maybe live sometimes it happened at, at times you know yeah. but it, it, you know how it is the, people just try to make you insecure and it, it was the actual reason was money of course uh, you know because English contracts were all strange and it, it was very badly managed business wise this, this whole thing uh, the manager didn't but then after English car crash um, uh, Ingrid got rid of the manager and things started at least that problem stopped kind of why were but you guys Ingrid, I don't know I, I don't think he would have lasted I mean first of all he Ingrid's kind of demanding he is the solid rock player kind of he, I don't know if he's fusiony like enough for Ingrid's style I, I don't know mm-hmm. but he plays in Kiss I think he's doing much better Right, right, right. Kiss was a good move for him. Why did you and your brother leave uh, Ingve's band in 1990? What happened with all that? The thing was, things deteriorated a lot. Um, uh, Ingve, or or whatever happened, got rid of Jolin Turner. The record label dropped him. Uh, We had um, Jens went to Dio. Right, he he went to Dio. He got sick of all the drinking and all the. The, the promises of of royalties never amounted to anything, and and also we have done it for five or six years, and and um, we, we were going nowhere, kind of. Mm-hmm. We tried to like we maybe we thought we could buy like a not buy, but at least rent our own little place, you know, like in um, America. But uh, we were there day by day, by and they just paid the bills, kind of. Right. We were like uh, slaves is a, diff- is a strong word, but um, like um, we didn't have our own life, kind of. Sure. So we thought uh, this amounts to nothing, kind of. Yeah. And when, when Joey left or fired, got fired or whatever it was, I think he was fired, but he, he wouldn't 
a bit that because English got got thicker in somehow, uh, and um, then um, I, I, everybody sort of lost faith there because he was actually really good. Yeah, you know? Anders, what's your relationship like him today? Like, when was the last time you talked to Ingve? The last time I saw him was like he came on tour here in Sweden, and I happened to be in the same city he was in. So I, I saw him backstage. Um, in a, in a city called Gothenburg. Mm-hmm. I think it's seven years ago now. Oh. And since then, um, I, I, I tried to, you know, I was in Florida with, with Manowar uh, rehearsing uh, last year, year, and I um, contacted him and, and uh, said, well, let's have a coffee or so. I was on one, only one hour away from where he lives. Yeah. And they never really answered. I, I, um, I hear that he doesn't have contact with anybody nowadays. Wow. Nobody at all from from the old times. Huh. Maybe he just wanted to, to start a new life or something. I don't know. Well, this is some great information, man. I'm so glad we talked about the Ingve days. What do you want to say to all your fans out there in closing? Oh, uh, thanks for listening and thanks for the interest. I mean, um, it's uh, an honor to, that anybody wants to listen to me babbling here. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, cool. Well, man, hey, thank you so much for the conversation. It was great talking with you. Well, thank you for, for the time. I mean, um, it was very nice talking to you. What a cool guy. That was great talking with Anders. Once again, subscribe to the 80s Glam Metal Cast through Anchor. The link is in the description below. And as always, give us a like and a subscribe on YouTube. You know what you got to do now, right? You know what you do? You got to rock on.